Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 29 of the No Look Pass podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You can be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son that is glad a certain Game of Thrones character is dead. No spoilers. I have my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flintmo, what's good? Yeah, and Andy is a little irresponsible, I think, is, is the term when it comes to watching my shows on time. So please don't spoil Game of Thrones for me. And I want to give a shout-out yeah. to my boy. I like him more every time he plays Clay Thompson. Get rid of that goatee, though. Yeah, you you, de- you definitely called the Clay Thompson thing way before stuff went down. So we are going to get into our show. We're going to go through round two and sort of uh, look back at the departed teams from round one. And um, we're going to get into some round two predictions, but we really want to talk about a couple of disappointing teams that we've been particularly upset with, uh, the Raptors in winning fashion, the Thunder in losing fashion. And in that, we are going to get to our outlet pass. It's the first pass of any fast break, so it's the first pass of our show. Game seven's yesterday. We had Miami with a thrashing of the Hornets, whose best chance to win the series was probably in game six, as we all saw. But uh, what I want to talk about is uh, views from the six worth the Drake. Toronto survives the Paul George surge uh, Pacers and win their first seven-game series in franchise history. Andy, what do you, you think of the action in Canada last night? I, I mean, it was, you know, it was a good game. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the series. Um, I mean, I... I I really just – I like watching Paul George operate, which is probably the only reason I was really hoping Indiana won that. And I think you and I kind of both floated off that Toronto bandwagon. I mean, yep. I, I guess in terms of Toronto, the thing that, you know, I do think it says something about them to be able to win in this fashion because it was, it was a dog. It was like 80-89-84 or 89-85. And I think they, they kind of needed a game like that because this series did not go the way they wanted it to go whatsoever. And, you know, I think sure. getting 30 out of DeRozan, he was he was not terribly efficient. I think he shot the ball over 30 times. Uh, he hit his free throws, yeah, he, though. He, the, uh, he, and Lowry, he and Lowry are struggling. I mean, something mightily from – Big time. Uh, Lowry is broken all of a sudden. So, I, I don't know. I think they're going to they're gonna hope to, to have cleaned that up, but they're going to get in the second half. Yeah, yeah. The second, there's, there's really two ways of thinking about it. You know, is it sort of – Toronto just needed to get over the hump. They, you know, with all this pressure that they've had from past struggles, and you know, you and I have asked a bunch of times, when is really their their struggles going to catch up with them? At what point in this series were they going to be like, oh well, maybe we can't win this thing? And I think you saw that in the last what six, seven minutes of that game, where they're trying to literally dribble out the clock with seven minutes to go, and you just can't do that. The NBA game is way too long to think that seven minutes is enough time with like. They didn't even have a big lead. I mean, it was like 12, 15 points maybe, but that's nothing in an NBA game. And they really tried to, to give it away, but unfortunately, and I'm not really one that always, and I really hate when people complain about refereeing because I just think it's it's a matter of human error. I don't think the referees are out to get one team over another, but there were some bad calls against the Pacers and for the Raptors last night. And, it, I mean, I just think that just happened to be the way that it, that it went. You know, they, they it just seemed like they missed more calls on one side than the other, but they were really fortunate, especially that last play with the Jan Mahimi. He was just shoved blatantly in the back. I didn't like the offensive foul on Paul George. But, you know, they survived. So I'm wondering if, if this is just going to be it, it's off their shoulders now and in the future it's just going to be, like, less pressure? Or do they just remember, like, we really didn't win this game. It was just sort of handed to us, and then you get a veteran team in the Miami Heat. We're going to get into that in a little bit uh, and, and how that's sort of going to work out. 
but let's move on because um, we'll, we're going to talk more Raptors later. Um, we want to get into the Departed, which is our next segment. The Departed teams, what's next for these teams? Just quickly, we're going to go through them because there is five of them. And um, the Houston Rockets, Clippers, Hornets, Celtics, and Pacers, thanks for playing. You know, it, it was great it's to see you. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So Willy Wonka escorted you to the door, and let's go one at a time. We'll start with probably the most disappointing team, I think we'll agree, um, the Houston Rockets. What, what's going on there, Andy? What do you see in their future, uh, and, and sort of where do they go from here? You know, here, here's the thing is, is badly as I thought, you know, the whole situation was going to look for Houston, I almost don't think it's really all that bad because of – Really? Uh, well, it, it's not going to be – well, because I don't – I must. this is me assuming that Dwight Howard is no longer going to be on that team, although he does have like a 20-some million dollar player option this season. I just feel like the, the relationship's that broken. So assuming, you know, there's not going to be a Dwight Howard and they, they find a way to, you know, to move him or – I don't think he'll opt out of that. That would be insane at his age. But I, I do feel like if that's the case, they're going to have money to spend and they, I mean, James Harden's kind of a bang for a buck player at this point in the league. I mean, you're talking, you know, people, some people would argue he's one of, you know, the top five players in the league. I'm not one of those people, but I mean, you're talking, he's only going to make 16 million next season. So if you were getting rid of Dwight Howard's 23 million, I think that leaves a, a lot of room to, you know, get a little bit of a rebuild going and, and turn some things around without actually having to go through like a season of missing out on the playoffs because this team should be able to plug and still make the playoffs. As long as Harden's the guy, Harden to me has become tough to watch and I, I can't imagine playing with him, but I think he's in decent enough shape, uh, you know, given that's, what's happened here and the expectations. You know, that's, that's really the question is, well, you have two things there. The one is the Howard thing, which I, I believe you're right. I, I actually do think he opts out because I think he's probably going to be looking for a longer-term deal in which I don't know if he gets, you know, everybody's going to have cap space, so he might be one of those guys where – you know, maybe a lower-tier team, like let's just say the Charlotte Hornets, uh, sort of strike out with other teams and, you know, other guys in free agency, and then they overpay for Dwight, sort of like the Amari Stoudemire of the LeBron free agency class, if you remember that, you know, sort of that that kind of state of mind. But the other thing I think you're bringing up is do do people want to play with James Harden? I think that's the problem. You know, last season they almost signed Chris Bosh. They pretty much had him signed, and then Miami just came with, with a, a godfather offer and then Bosch like that offer better. But there was no means that he didn't want to play in Houston. He was completely willing to go to Houston. Um, and a guy of the caliber of Chris Bosch, you know, obviously, I don't know if you can get that kind of guy anymore to play with James Harden because I think all these big guys are looking like, why do I want to play with this guy? Look how miserable he makes his teammates. So that'll be something I'm really watching for in their future. I think theoretically what you're talking about makes sense. They have the financials to maybe rebuild. But I don't know if, if Harden has really dampened his respect across the league where you're going to have a, a guy that, that really is his equal that, that really wants to play with him without thinking like, oh, I'm going to go to James Harden's team and he's going to have the ball for 48 minutes. So I'll, I'll be curious about that. The next team I want to get into, um, and you can just go on with some Rockets thoughts if you had any more, but the L.A. Clippers obviously is one team that we talked about before the playoffs started saying if they lost that it might be time to blow it up. Obviously the circumstances of their losing was a little different given that they lost their two best players. But do you still think that that's sort of a possibility where maybe Blake's going to go or DeAndre's going to go? To the question for them, I think at this point, we'll talk with because they're spending the second most money in the league. 
Um, and I think that, you know, obviously the Chris Paul and Blake Griffin thing is the, you, you kind of get a, a pass on this a little bit. I know we keep giving the Clippers passes every single year, it seems like, but, you know, they do have some positive. If, if they believe that Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin can get it done as the big three, then I think they're fine. I mean, they're going to – Jeff Green, I don't know what they would do with him, but he's close to $10 million off the books. Uh, Crawford is going to into 36 years old. Um, but I feel like, you know, they're still able to compete. And, you know, with things like Jeff Green's contract, if they decide to go a different direction, they have a little money there. But, I mean, I, at this point, aside from making a big trade, which I don't think they'll do because I think they're going to have the discussion and they're going to say – we're missing Chris Paul, we're missing Blake Griffin, we would have beat the Warriors, et cetera, et cetera, because that, that's what they're telling themselves. So I, I feel like, you know, this team probably looked pretty similar next season. I agree with you, and I think it's such a stupid thing that, that they're going to do that because I think the evidence has shown throughout the league that you cannot, and I think the evidence has shown for them on the court, you just can't win with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan on the court. You need one of those guys. You don't need both of them, not in the NBA anymore. But I agree with you that I think they're going to use the injuries as sort of an excuse to keep the, the team the way it is. They're going to have another year with their already closing window when they should trade DeAndre. That's the guy I would trade. Because I think you can play Blake at center, especially against these other teams that you're going to be competing against. And I think you can be successful. And But I agree with you. I don't think they're going to. Uh, so so let's move on to, you know, we, we don't want to talk about the Clippers not being able to get over the hump again. Charlotte Hornets, I think, had uh, – exceeded expectations, uh, lost to the Heat in seven. I don't really think many people expected them to win that series. I think many people were surprised about not only, you know, how many games it went, but, you know, Charlotte really had a chance to win that game in game six. It seemed like they had a chance to win the series and just couldn't pull it off. So what do, what do we think of Charlotte? You know, do they need sort of wholesale changes? Is there something wrong in the foundation, or is it just sort of a younger team on the rise? You actually said what I was, what I have written down here when we were talking about the the Rockets. I I think their play is Dwight Howard, um, Al Jefferson. Mm. I I, yeah. I don't want. I, I personally, I'm not going to resign Al Jefferson. Like that, you know, if if I were in the position, that's just my thing. I feel like, you know, 31 going on 32. I don't know what kind of contract he's going to think he's worth. He's making a, coming off of a $14 million contract. I would much rather have uh, Dwight Howard. I I think even in their prime, Dwight Howard's the better player. Um, but Toom is going to be an interesting thing. I wonder what they do with him, um, considering they'll have to try to resign him. And Michael, uh, Michael Kidd Gilt is set to make like $13 million per season starting next year. Courtney Lee is another guy they really might want to look into resigning because I think he played such a, a crucial role for this team. And I like him. I think they're on the rise. They're not really locked into any crazy amounts of money. Kemba's going to make $12 million. I mean, Kid Gilchrist is, is the most on their books after this season. Uh, so I, I think, you know, a guy like Dwight Howard, they'll probably take a jab maybe at a guy like Marcus All to test the waters. Uh, Al Horford, there's there's some names out there. So I, I feel like they do need to kind of upgrade at the, you know, the center of the power forward position. Get somebody. I mean, Pau Gasol's another guy. He's got a player option. But, yeah, I, I like Charlotte's chances going forward. I like I like the Pau Gasol little thing that you threw out there. That would that would be a very intriguing thing in Charlotte. I like Al Horford. <laughs> that that would be a good. But I I agree with you with Al Jefferson. I don't, you know, the Dwight Howard thing. I've heard murmurs about Dwight Dwight Howard in Charlotte. The only thing that I think they're going to find out, especially I think one of the big questions for them next season is does Michael Kidd fit on this team? Because it seems like the the underlying storyline was they were sort of better without him. Now yeah. I'm a huge MKG fan, so. 
I don't, I don't want to throw any shade by any means. And I think that he can learn the skill set that is needed to be more of an effective player, mainly like being able to stretch the floor. You know, we, we say on this show all the time, and maybe almost every show, like you can learn a jump shot. That's something that you can learn, especially a workhorse like MKG. But, yeah, you know, it, it is sort of a strange thing because I don't know what they're going to do with the Lynn uh, Jeremy Lin is a free agent, so I don't know if he's, you know, if, if the Lin Walker backcourt is really something that you really want to go with going forward. It seems like it might have like reached its peak, and I think Lin might be better. He's going to want to play more minutes and and have more of a role on maybe another team that's going to pay for a point guard, maybe like my Nets. Uh, I've I've heard the Jeremy Lin Nets thing kind of thrown out there a little bit too. But I, one thing I do agree with you is that Courtney Lee was had a great series. I think he was probably the third best player on the team. I think Walker and Lynn were the two best, and I think Lee not only hitting threes but a defensive player. He he did he had very good defensive, you know, for a guard. You know, you really need that kind of guy that can defend smaller guys, especially in today's NBA with a lot of you know teams playing the two guard even three guard lineups. So I think Courtney Lee is, is a crucial piece for them to resign. But I agree. I think I think a young team on the rise is a good way to describe this team. They they do need another another bigger piece, and and I think Al Jefferson sort of has uh, outlasted his wealth, it, 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 even in the NBA as a whole, but definitely on the Hornets. Uh, <laughs> that was like unnecessary. Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson. I love Big Al. I just think the game is the game is past his skill set. By is, is really what I was trying to say. No no harm, Big Al. I love you. Uh, Boston Celtics was our next team. The Celtics, you know. The, the Avery Bradley injury, I picked the Celtics to win against the Hawks. You picked the Hawks, the, the, and obviously Atlanta did end up taking the series. But, you know, they, they really were undermanned, and I really liked the heart that they that they gave throughout the whole series. So, I mean, Brad Stevens is obviously a building block. I think you're going to get into that a little bit. And what, what do we think for the Celtics? You know, it's we've talked a lot about them needing to make a big move, like a Blake Griffin, that kind of thing. You still think that is the move to make, or do they kind of stick with this core that they have? I think they swing for the fences and free agency. I mean, I would simply because they have to do so. I mean, they're about middle of the road as far as spending goes. I just, if you go through and look, you know, at what they're paying players, Amir Johnson makes the most money on that team. Um, and, and I don't even, I mean, 12 million a season. You have Avery Bradley's going to make about 8 million next year. Isaiah Thomas makes about 6 million. Crowder makes 6 million. And then from there, it just drops. I mean, they're going to have to look at Evan Turner, Tyler Zeller and Jared Sollinger and see what they want to do with those guys. Um, you know, as far as extending their contracts, I I feel like, you know, I, Isaiah Thomas is finally, we talked, I think I I mentioned it in the first time you and I ever did a a point guard draft, like three years ago, that Isaiah Thomas is kind of just seems like one of those plugs for, and this was back when he was on the Kings for a team who's looking for that next point guard and, and teams, man, a couple of them out on this, this amazingly talented kid and uh, Marcus smart. Don't let me walk without talking about him. Loved you in college. Wanted you in Orlando. Didn't get you. He, I think he, this playoff series was great for him because there's a lot of uncertainty with Isaiah Thomas there and smart came into his own. And I think those two can balance each other out and play pretty well, but I'm still looking for them to make a big move. And I think they will. And I'd love to see them be able to do something in a trade where they could get rid of Amir Johnson's contract simply for some money because after next season, he'll be off the boat anyways. But I, I would, I would like to see, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm a power forward or protection. Dwight Howard, maybe. Um, Some people were talking about Al Jefferson having a reunion back in uh, Boston, but we just talked about Jefferson. I don't think that's necessarily the right play. But I like Boston. And they got 100 picks. They can still, you know, 
they can even trade some of those picks, get a big piece, and still have pieces to keep in the young talent. And I feel like for Brad Stevens, that's the best position you could ever be in. Yeah, I, I really – I like the – this is a team I like Al Horford on in the future. I think that would be a great piece for him. I think they should be keeping an eye on the Cleveland situation. If things kind of go awry, if Kevin Love becomes available, that would be a great piece for Boston. But, you know, I, I generally do agree with you. you. You made a great point about Marcus Smart. I think Paul George was probably the biggest winner of the first round, even in losing fashion, and we'll get into that. But I think Marcus Smart was definitely a winner of the, of the first round of the playoffs where guys were like, you know, everybody around the league sort of got that national spotlight and people really realized that Marcus Smart, this guy is a player, you know, this guy is a building block. And it, it, they didn't really, I, I don't want to say they didn't miss Avery Bradley because they really, they definitely did. But he really did something that I said that might happen when Avery Bradley went down is you can get a guy like Marcus Smart to give you 90% of what Avery Bradley gave you. Obviously, if you can also have Avery Bradley on top of like a mini Avery Bradley, that probably would have been a lot better off. But you know, he really stepped up, was hitting threes, and I think that was one of the parts of his game where people didn't think that he could do, you know, stretching the floor, becoming an offensive option as well as not only a defensive option. I think that the comp he always gets is Tony Allen, and I think he really went beyond that in this series to show that he can be a little more than that. Um, the last team really quick is the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I'll just go really quick before I let you go. I just thought they were undermanned. I mean, I, I just don't think this team's makeup it was sort of what played them at the beginning of the season and what we thought preseason. They just – they're they're too small, and I just think that they just played a better team in, in, in the Raptors that just had more talent. But I think overall, Paul George is a superstar, and, and their future is bright going forward. Listen, when you have a top five in the league, and I, I firmly believe they do, without a shadow of a doubt, and he's 25 years old, and you know he fell into the cracks with that horrific leg injury, and I, I just love watching Paul George operate. I think. When you get a player this caliber and, you know, you get him locked in through, you know, at least the 2017-18 season, he'll have an option that year. And I also, you know, we were a little critical of this, I think, to both of us at the beginning of the season with Monte Ellis coming in, and he struggled mightily footing. And he's got the same kind of structured contract as Paul George. Um, I think George Hill, my scrutiny for about three years now, has uh, delivered. He's played well. Um, uh, Miles Turner, stud, uh, bonafide. You're yep. right. They're, they're tiny. I mean, in he's been good, but he's not not was never really that center. Who I mean, he's got length, but he doesn't necessarily have size. I guess if you get what I mean. And I think they are. Yeah. And again, here there's the, those names we're talking about the whole Howards and those kind of guys, and maybe, you know snatch one of these guys and I think that uh Indiana money wise is great. I think they're like only like twenty fifth in the league as far as spending goes. So again wow. we have another one of these teams that I'm in love with their future because, you know, a twenty five year old bona fide stud, you have this rookie standout. You have Monte Ellis who's like this steady veteran veteran at this point who's kind of done the exact opposite I thought this season of what I would expect from Monte Ellis. He deferred in the scoring. I, I think you get Monte in a position and he realized I'm not the best scorer on this team. I'm not the best player on this team. And I accept that Monte Ellis was never going to be that guy. And it's, it, I love this team. Especially when you consider, I believe Monte Ellis played with Steph Curry and, and still didn't, that was three, four, Steph Curry was Steph Curry, but didn't, didn't really come to that conclusion on that team. Real quick, one word, uh, which of these five teams, which team would you want to, like if you were a GM, which team would you be, would, would you want to be? 
I, I do. I want to say Indiana probably because we just talked about them, but I'm going to say Boston just because I feel yeah. like the the possibilities with all these they have like a, a thousand draft picks. It's just it's ridiculous. I, I think when you have that many you know first round picks and you already have this borderline very talented team and you're not spending a ton of money, you got this young charismatic coach who seems like he does everything right. I'm I'm going with the Celtics. So. It, it, to me, it's between the, the Pacers and the Celtics. I would actually go with the Pacers. I'd rather have Paul George and just build from there, but I, I understand your Celtics logic. Let's move on to round two predictions. Um, we're going to go through each of the series and sort of give what we think is you know, our, our official prediction, how many games and all that, but just a general just layout of the series of what we think is going to happen. But first, I'm going to give Andy the floor because we're going to start with OKC San Antonio, and I know he's got some thunder bars to get off his chest. Russell Westbrook, you may want to sit down. Your agent needs to talk to you for a moment. Andy, give me your prediction for the series and, and just, just go in. I, I mean, my prediction now, initially I would have had the Spurs winning anyways. After seeing drumming the internet, I'm going San Antonio on five. OKC is going to get a game. I think they're too talented not to. My problem is with management. Like, you hired, and my problem is kind of with Billy Donovan at the same time because if you're the upper management, you hired a coach you know, to come in and bring change because the one thing Scott Brooks was really criticized for was not being iso ball, iso ball, iso ball. You know, they, there's a million guys you get hired to do that. So they got rid of him. And then, and, and he was like, well, I found Scott Brooks playbook over there in a locker and I'm just going to write my name on duct tape on the front of it and put it over his bam. And it doesn't work, and they keep doing it. And I know it's enticing, and it's hard to steer away from when you have two of the best one-on-one players in the league, but you have to find a way to move the ball. Watch the State Thunder play. And it's, I, I don't expect every team to do what uh, the Golden State Warriors do, but the Thunder are too talented to, like, get stagnant and just sit there. And it's, it's frustrating to watch because I feel like this is the best team they've had. Granted, this is the best San Antonio team I've seen in a few years, too, maybe ever. But, yeah, they, they've got to be better. So, I'm just going to say I also have San Antonio. I'm going to take them in six. I still believe that OKC, just those two guys, they have enough talent to win two games. But I think ultimately, like we've talked about all season, OKC can beat the Clippers of the world. They can beat the, the whatever, the Celtics, the Pacers of the world, the guys that we just talked about. They're not going to be able to get over the hump with these San Antonios and the Golden States if they can't get it together, like everything that you've just criticized them about. Absolutely correct. Uh, Golden State and Portland, I'm going to go really quick. Um, Portland, good job, good effort. Uh, I think the sweep might be on the way, Steph Curry or no Steph Curry, just because I just think Golden State is an unstoppable machine, and I don't think Portland has enough talent to hang with them. I think Portland's going to get one. I really do. I, it's almost like that uh, – James Harden logic, and with Curry still not playing, I did see he's resumed light jump shooting, but to me, like, fans get crazy, and that still means he might miss this entire series, so I'm not not going nuts yet, but I I just feel like Damian Lillard's going to have a game where he's just going to be too much, and Golden State might kind of have an off night. It's probably going to happen in Portland. Yeah, I'm wrong, but I'm sticking with it. Five games. So I, I, I could definitely see five. I mean, I just think Golden State wants to make a statement, even without Steph Curry showing that, you know, they got bars. Uh, so we're going to move to the Eastern Conference. we got a couple of more intriguing series, I think. Um, Atlanta-Cleveland is very interesting, especially when you consider Atlanta last season was a 60-win team. You know, they were really sort of the team that was going to challenge Cleveland last season, and now they're sort of back. Uh, what, do you, what do you think in this series? I'm very curious what, what your layout for this series is, because it seems like you're, you're a little higher on the Hawks than even I am. So 
what, what do you got here for the Hawks and the, and the Cavs? You know, I, I do. I, I mean, I, I guess I do kind of like the Hawks. Um, honestly, I, it's not even necessarily liking them. I would have actually rather seen Boston win the series just because I like the Boston team more. But I, I do. I think Atlanta will take a couple. I, I think Cleveland's going to win it in six. Um, but they got to be careful, the, the Hawks, that is, because Cleveland's kind of like Love and Kyrie and LeBron. I think they're starting to actually believe that they're this good. And, I mean, that could be very, very scary for a team. Paul Millsap is the key to me. He has to be consistent. I don't need to see, like, a 37-point game and then, like, a six-point game. Like, give me two 20-point games. Like, that's what I need from you. I feel like we might see a little Millsap in these switch situations. They're comfortable with him guarding a guy like LeBron when it gets close to the basket. I think, you know, he's, yep. he's got that that game different things. But they're going to need to it, – it's, it's going to be tough. No Damari Carroll this year is really noteworthy because he's the one that uh, dealt with LeBron, you know, to the best of his ability. And I don't think they have a guy, Bazemore, uh, maybe a guy to, to slow LeBron down as much as, as Carroll did last season. So it's, it's going to be tough. But Cleveland is six. I am going to pick Cleveland in seven. I think this, this series is going seven. You brought up the point. You, you stole my point, even though you kind of glanced over it. I think the big thing is going to have Millsap on. Still have that. You know, LeBron used to have everything because he was too quick for the big guys. he has lost a little bit of a step, and Millsap is not a slowpoke. You know, he's not like one of these big guys, like even a Boris Diaw, a guy that also gives LeBron trouble sometimes. But I think Millsap sort of has a lateral quickness to stick with LeBron, and at the same time is big enough to sort of guard him in the post as well. So I think that'll be a huge thing to watch Millsap on LeBron. I'm curious how often Bud goes to it, how quick he goes to it. And I really think the team concept that the Hawks play will really expose a lot of the flaws that this Cavs team still has a lot of the ISO ball that they still play, even though they are starting to get better, are starting to get out of it, you know, getting Kevin Love open looks in the spots that he likes the ball, that kind of thing. But I think when you're playing a, a team concept and a team that has been together for a while in the Hawks, I think you're really going to see some exposure of Cleveland's flaws, and I think that's going to be enough to push it till seven. Uh, ultimately, I think they win the series just because I think they're the better team, but it's going to be a very interesting series. Let's move on. Miami, Toronto. Uh, Toronto really kind of survived, I guess you could say, the Indiana Pacers and are facing a veteran team that looked very good in in a seven-game series against probably a better team in Charlotte. What do you think of uh, Miami-Toronto? I think sometimes people show up to the playoffs in a limo. They might show up in a jet. They might show up in their own car. I showed up this year in the Eastern Conference on the Moose. And it's gotten heavy, man, and I've had to start throwing the maple syrup overboard because I just don't believe in the Raptors anymore. One thing I do believe in in the postseason is Dwayne Wade. Um, I think Miami's winning the series. I think it's going to take seven games. I think they're going to win it in Toronto. Um, and I don't think anybody will even be surprised. So I, I just – Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, I, I have a tear for the both of you. You make me sad. It's like my kids, you know, and, and I, I just – I thought this team was going to be better than they were. I thought that they would actually maybe give Cleveland a run for their money in the East, and I don't think they're even going to make it to the dance. Not only do I think Miami is going to win this series, I've gotten to the point where I'm so far off of the Toronto bandwagon. I feel like we're really trashing Toronto for a team that literally won a game seven last night. Uh, 
But I would actually be surprised if Miami lost this series. That That's how far off the bandwagon I've gotten. To me, Miami is the favorite in this series. I don't see Toronto as the favorite in this series based on the players, based on the struggles of the backcourt in Toronto, based on Dwayne Wade. Uh, Dragic now has a pulse. Luol Deng thinks it's 2012. And, I mean, who would you want more in the clutch? Dwayne Wade, Joe Johnson. Like, these are guys that have hit, hit, hit big shots in big situations. And I know everybody's looking at us right now with the Russell Westbrook. Like, what? It, Bro, what are you talking about, man? What What we're talking about is the Miami Heat going to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I'm on the fence of them going to the finals. I'm I'm really leaning there. Really Ooh. quick, end our show. Yeah, I know. Uh, every week somebody needs more people, and uh, who who needs more people this week, Andy? Anderson Vergeau, for sure, because you almost got beat up by Gerald Henderson after pulling, like, a little girl trip move. And then, like, when he checked him, Vergeau looked legitimately afraid, like Metal World Peace was coming. <laughs> Shout out to Metal World Peace. I'm going with this whole Sacramento Kings management. A report came out that the team is looking to trade DeMarcus Cousins because he irritates teammates. Wow, really? You just found that out? A stunning development in Sacramento. Boogie doesn't like his teammates. Yo, Sacramento Kings. And with that, that is the end of our show for this week. We will be with you next week to discuss the uh, goings-on in round two. Um, join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, at NLP Podcast. Watch us live tweet playoffs and meeting with summer league games. We will close, as we always do, with the great philosopher, Jason White Chocolate Williams who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar, sometimes better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.